Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Talked about my kids earlier Mm -hmm. and they watch TV shows and things like that and I always hear the word boss. Yes. I taught my kids really early, like, there's no such thing as a boss, right? There's there's the idea of a leader. I said, you know, bosses tell people what to do, and leaders help create an environment for people to do their best. That was the key differences between being a boss and a leader when you're explaining to your kids. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. I am Edwin Frondozo, and this is episode number 52. I'm really excited to share the conversation that I had with Randy Frisch. Randy, he's the president and CMO at Uberflip. It's a platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize content experiences at every single stage of the buyer's journey. Randy wears many hats, including overseeing the marketing, strategy, operation, sales, and execution of Uberflip's solution. His focus is to really understand the customer's needs and provide solutions which simplify access to content in today's digital era. In our conversation, we talk about how Uberflip started and why it's really important to build a business and solution that closely matches it with your desire. He talks about building a culture and the new definition of hustle. Both of us being marketing-focused people, we talk about the content experience Today's episode was sponsored by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies, which help companies understand what the customers are saying when they are calling in. Also, thank you to BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. Now, here we go. Randy, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Oh, my pleasure to be here, Edwin. Oh, great. So, Randy, if you could just share with the listeners, tell people who maybe maybe not know about you or your company, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you like to do when you're not growing and scaling companies. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you know, you ask people these days anywhere they are about themselves and they can't help to talk about work first. It's, uh, I find it all the time when, when we're interviewing people for jobs. I'm like, tell me a little bit about yourself. And they go in through their resume right away, right? And it's so I'll, I'll, I'll try and avoid that trap. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm, uh, I guess first, firstly, I'm a father of three kids, you know, happy husband. Uh, my kids are 10, eight, and six. I got two boys who love hockey. So Canadian roots, that, that makes sense. So when I'm not here, I'm usually, uh, you know, coaching hockey or, or something like that on weekends or in evenings. Find that's a good way to, you know, block off those times is special. And then I've got a daughter in the middle too who dances. So I've, I've, been known to even go as far as uh, doing a father-daughter dance at the dance recital. So that's that was my bonding experience with her. So I mean, to me, you know, when when I'm not working, it's it's usually family and a, a sprinkle of friends here and there. Oh, that's great, and I really love that image of, of a daughter. 
I have only one child. My daughter's 20, 20 months old at uh, today, uh, at this point. But uh, just I'm, I was just Im- imagining myself do, <laughs> doing a father-daughter dance in the near future. It seems like it might be in the cards now. Yeah, there's some footage out there that's pretty embarrassing I've heard <laughs> of me that my wife may hold as ransom. But Someday. Yeah. Awesome. So... So why don't we do the traditional answer? Introduce, uh, tell tell us about Uberflip. Tell us about your current roles and perhaps what you you and the organizations are trying to accomplish over the next twelve months. Yeah, absolutely. So at, at Uberflip, I'm the CMO and president. Um, I think the CMO allows me to role allows me to focus on my passion, which uh, you know I didn't always get to do as we were scaling to where we are today. I mean, you, you get drawn into so many aspects as a founder running the business, uh, but I'm a marketer at heart. So the fact that I'm, I'm allowed to spend more of my time or expected to spend more of my time digging in on the marketing these days really makes me happy. Uh, the, you know, the president aspect is, is really representing our company, uh, figuring out how we go to market. So, uh, our sales function, our success function and our finance and operations function report in through me, um, which allows us to, to kind of optimize. And it's, it's kind of nice being where I'm tech company that that I also oversee marketing at the same yes. time within that. Tell us more. I, I think from my research and I'm me, I'm from the Toronto startup ecosystem. I, I understand it. But for those listening, Uberflip is, you mentioned is a MarTech. It is also, it sort of matches with your passions, the product that you're providing. Like, to tell us what it is. Yeah. So, so why don't I give you a little of the backstory and then I'll lead into what Uberflip is today. Yeah. The, the backstory came from me being a marketer, knowing some of those pains and, and having a network of people who are marketers of understanding that, you know, getting content onto the web uh, is not that easy. I mean, as a marketer, I did not go to school and learn how to code, you know, so there's no HTML in this guy. I mean, that's my, <laughs> my, my co-founders, you know, got all the coding skills and allowed us to build a really great product here. But, but that's, that's the challenge a lot of marketers have. But these days with how the web is so digitally minded and we're all online in terms of how we go to market, it's really important that we can get content online. And, and when I say content, people are trying to figure out what that means because uh, content has so many different definitions today. We, we kind of solve for those content marketing assets. So call it the thought leadership pieces, be it a blog post, a video, some of the content you're putting out on social, even some of those eBooks that you may mm-hmm. have. And it's a question of how do we actually get all that content onto our website, into you know some of the marketing campaigns we're running. And even as you think of a buyer journey, if you're a B2B marketer listening, um, at the end of the funnel, we got to still use content to help close deals with sales reps. So what we do is provide a SaaS platform to allow the marketer to take all the content they created and actually get it onto the web without the need for IT or any coding Oh, so it just makes it easier for guys like yourself who has no quote you quote unquote no HTML in this guy. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> and it, it's funny because that's always a struggle on on marketing teams. I mean, our 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 team as a whole at Uberflip is is over 110 people now. Our marketing team is is you know fairly sized given our given our size around 15, and even that even with all that talent. 
it's very hard to find someone who can manage the website, right? I mean, it's it's a hard role to specialize and put budget to for a lot of growing companies mm-hmm. and for larger organizations and enterprises. It's very rare that they have those in-house. They're usually re- relying on uh, agencies or you know a department that's not connected to theirs where timelines slow these things down. So the ability to use a platform like ours, I mean, I, I can tell you in our org, we'd probably have to have at least one more headcount, mm-hmm. you know, if we didn't have this, this solution. Um, and even then, you know, we'd be so at the mercy of timelines to get things out. Well, that's great. It's really fascinating. Even for me, I come from the technical background. Uh, I did computer engineering, but now I sometimes see myself as a marketing first and I don't even touch, touch the HTML. So tools like this make guys like me that's creating content seems like something that I should be using a lot more in my everyday as well there, Randy. I, th- I think it's also a trend just to jump in there. I mean, yeah. you know, we've seen the traditional CMS, if you will, mm-hmm. kind of evolve in so many ways. I mean, another great Canadian uh, success story is Shopify. That's right. And Shopify went and said, okay, well, the, the way we build an e-commerce site is broken. So they kind of took the old traditional use of a CMS and said, we're going to break out a niche. The niche is massive. I mean, billions and billions of dollars of value in terms of what they've been able to do. And we've seen the same thing even with SMBs, you know, companies like Squarespace or Wix, just watch a Super Bowl and you'll see like oh they're, they're dropping yeah. big dollars to advertise because the the people who are launching companies who are you know putting their ideas out they need to be nimble right these things don't happen the way they used to where we plan our messaging you know for for six months and then we update it every three years you know <laughs> we we need to do that more on the fly and and that was our prediction for the content spaces you know as people are investing more in thought leadership and content marketing they need a better way to personalize those content experiences at scale when I looked back at your career and, and we've just been really geeking out now in terms of marketing and marketing technologies, and you obviously have grown as a marketing leader and also as a business leader at the same time. So, Randy, can you share maybe some key turning points or ideally some type of difficult decision that helped you eventually grow as a business leader? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of, of moments over the years. Um I'll pick on a few of them just mm-hmm. just to, to illustrate. So I started off my career. I, I I was very lucky. I came from a family that was entrepreneurial. They'd had a lot of success. I think a lot of people thought I'd go work there, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do something on my own and or at least go in there with better context to what it meant to to build a career. And my first job was an amazing learning experience at a company called Rubbermaid. Probably think of totes and containers right. and garbage cans. So I was in marketing there. I spent about three years. But there was a, a big turning point for me. I, I, without going into detail, I helped launch this product. Uh, and I went over to China to source the product and sold it into a retailer. And just as about, just, just before we were about to, to launch live, uh, I had to present to the global CEO, uh, of the organization. He came up to Canada. Mm-hmm. I get up, I'm like 24 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I go into my whole pitch and like three minutes in, um, the products was like shower heads. He, he's like, what, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> we don't sell that type of solution here. That's not aligned oh, with my. our brand. And. You know, I'm like, and how long like, did you spend on spend on the product well, at that point? Like six months. Oh wow! Um, and and I look around the room to my boss, and he's just like, sit down. 
He's like, like without saying so, but <laughs> purely with his eyes, he's like, just sit down. And, uh, and you know, it wasn't the fact that, uh, so that that whole product was pulled out of like unsell it to the retailer. I had to backtrack on all the commitments to suppliers. Wow. And it very well probably was the right decision, but it frustrated me that I wasn't more involved in the lead up to understanding why it wasn't, or I wasn't given exposure to understand what the brand was going to stand for and go forward. And it, it was a turning point for me in a career because it, it, it helped me show that, that I wanted to be involved in that level of planning in an organization. And I wanted those opportunities. And it's not to say that the right group wasn't controlling that decision, but I wanted to be there. And I wasn't willing to wait for the path to get me there over the next 15, 20 years uh-huh. until I could be in those, those conversations. So it, it sent me down more of an entrepreneurial path. I, you know, I went into my MBA which was okay. It didn't really help in that path that much. But uh, <laughs> then I ran a business for about three years. It was a family investment, learned a lot, but wasn't passionate about mm-hmm. what I was doing. And coming out of that, I think that was one of the big things was not only did it need to be entrepreneurial, but it, it needed to be something I was passionate about. Uh, and ultimately, I think when you look fast forward, uh, you know, 2010 was when I was kind of at that point, you know, call it eight years later, I'm doing something that I'm passionate for. Uh, and we've built a solution that people really desire because I can probably relate to some of those people and what they need. Oh, that's really cool. And, and it sounds like you're getting these key turning points and maybe it was by fluke is almost three years in each of those uh, experiences. Was it not? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think some of them, without going into all the stories, you know, were nightmares too. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say, uh, you know, every one of those was intentionally three years. In some cases, it just took that long to, you know, get to the desired outcome or, or as close as possible. But I, I think, I, I think for me, it was, it was finding that thing that felt right. And, you know, when, before I started Uberflip with, with my co-founder, uh, I had joined him in a previous venture he had done. So that was my first foray into tech. And it was, it was a great experience. We had no idea what we were doing together. Right. Uh, but, but it, it helped me. We did that only for about a year before we came up with the idea for Uberflip. Uh, and it was very much a, a natural transition from that old product to a new buyer being marketers. Oh, wow. That's very cool. So fast forward today, eight years, you, you call it. Um, when you are leading this organization, can you tell us what's the most important decisions you make today as, as a leader in Uberflip? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know, it's funny, the word leadership, and I know that's, that's part of your podcast name, and it's uh, it's really cute. My, I talked about my kids earlier mm-hmm. and they watch TV shows and things like that. And they always hear the word boss. Right. Yes. And I taught my kids really early, like there's no such thing as a boss, right? There's, there's the idea of a leader and there's in, they, they very innocently wanted to know the difference. And I said, you know, bosses tell people what to do and leaders help create an environment for people to do their best. Right. right? And, and I think that to me is the huge distinction. I'm, one of the things that uh, that I learned early on in my career, and those who know me know that I, I still suffer from this bit. I'm a bit of a control freak. Right? <laughs> okay. like, I want it done perfectly. I want it, you know, I want it done really, really well. And 
as a result, I wasn't very good at delegating uh, and I could still get better at it, to be honest. But one of the things that I realized is I got better at that when I truly trusted the people who were going to work alongside and what I was building. And it got me to the point where I realized, okay, the only way I'm going to do that is if I hire people who are better at me at these different disciplines, uh, you know, almost to the point where you're intimidated by right. them because you want them in the room. And, you know, you fast forward and, you know, we, we just brought on a, a very senior uh, member of our exec team who's, who's overseeing success. And he was at, you know, a couple of companies where he's seen those companies scale to exits of, you know, 220 plus million and 400 plus million. And I, I mean, there's people who have done that and are not the people you want to work with, but this guy <laughs> so far is the guy who's done that and you want to work with because you feel like you're learning from that person in the room, right? And, you know, that that's where it comes back to being that leader who can create the environment for people to do their best. And I think there's a lot of great analogies if you look at, you know, leaders in sports, mm -hmm. right? Where, you know, I think, uh, you know, as you're growing a company, you're, you're many ways, you're like a general manager. It's on you to bring the right pieces in, get them to work together, but also get out of their way. Right. I mean, you look at sports teams where like you hear all these disasters where the general manager is over, you know, is trying to run the business where he's brought in the coach, he's brought in the scouts, he's brought in all these, you know, players. Let them just go make the magic happen at that point. That's right. And I love that analogy. I love, I love, I love watching sports. I'm from Toronto. Uh, I follow the Raptors a lot and, and MLSC, the Maple Leaf sports. And, and I just seen the culture change as well in terms of that and, and having proper leadership in there. But we could talk about, I could probably talk about it all day and we're not here for that today. <laughs> no, I, I could easily do that too. So let's, <laughs> let's save those who are not sports fans. Exactly, exactly. You talked about coaching and, it, and it's really interesting to me how business leaders or within organizations grow and help people fly, so to speak. So how do you encourage like, like creative thinking and taking, taking, you know, the ball in your hand and going with that within, within Uberflip. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, at, at Uberflip, first of all, we are probably culture obsessed. Doesn't mean we have it perfect, but I, but I think we do a really good job at, at trying to create a, a culture that, that embraces creativity and, you know, thinking outside the box. Um, and, and there's a lot of our core values that, that ultimately come back to that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples mm -hmm. just to help illustrate. Um, one of them is, is that people love it. It's probably resulted in the most t-shirts here, which is how you know you've got a good core <laughs> value and people want to wear it, right? Um, is this idea of hustle, right? And, and we talk about hustle as many startups do, but, but, when I first was coming up with the, the values and ran them by my wife, who's a very good moral compass for me because she's a social worker. And uh, she's like, I don't know. Do you really want that word hustle? She's like, it's kind of got some negative connotation to it. If you think like hustler. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't want those hustlers. Like we want like people with good hustle who like want to get it done today versus tomorrow. She's like, okay, you should probably be clear about that. So we, we ended up changing the word also into an acronym. Um, so if you take a look at, at it, you can go to like culture.uberflip.com and, and see all of our core values there. But, you know, the, each letter stands for, you know, one of the aspects of the type of people that we're looking for. Um, so as an, as an example, we look with people for people with heart, right? Versus the, you know, the bully or the asshole who's like, you know, right. creating obstacles in your office. You know, we look for people, you know, who are unique, um, you know, diversity, you know, and, and what we bring to the workforce, you know, 
know, with different views and, and different backgrounds helps us be a stronger group. Uh, the S is skill, you know, without walking you through every one of them. The T is technology. You don't have to know how to code again. You just have to love tech and what it can do. You know, the lean mentality is the L, you know, roll up your sleeves and get done more with less. And, you know, the E part is entrepreneurial and, and I think, uh, you know, back to your point on creativity, I think it's about empowering people, um, you know, to be able to do that. So there's so many different definitions of, of what it means to be an entrepreneur. My favorite one is not that you necessarily have to go start a business, but you just have to own what's in front of you. Right? I love that, yeah. And if you own what's in front of you, then things will happen, right? But if you kind of rely on everyone else around you to do it, um, and don't pull your own weight, then things don't work, right? You know, the, the best example that I can always think of is, you know, when your car is pulled over on the side of the road, right? There is such an exponential difference between when you jump from two people trying to push that car to three versus three to four, right? When it's you, true. when you have that, like, even though it's just one more person, um, when you go three to four, it's that equal distribution on every wheel, everyone pushing this, the, the thing just moves like butter, right? It's, it's so smooth. And that's because everyone's owning what they, they've got to do in that equation. So what do you think? Lots of key insights from Randy, huh? If you're enjoying this podcast episode, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where we share our latest interviews, events, special promotions, and find out who who we have lined up and who's coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's free and and we won't spam you, I promise. So go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Now let's get back to it. So you talk about the t-shirts, the hustle. I think I grabbed some stickers on my way into the office here. So thank you for that, first off. But how did, was that a team exercise to come up with with the term the culture or was that something that maybe you your co-founders had from the start yeah so so it's a great question we i would say we always wanted the mindset of having a great culture here and we probably took a little bit too long to define core values that helped define that uh, i remember it was uh it was in 2013 that we first put our core values into place the way we did that was we actually, we started with a deck before we had the core values. So that was something that my co-founder and I, uh, Yov and I had, uh, put together. We, we tried to kind of articulate what we want the place to stand for on a day to day basis. And we took people through real life examples of, you know, what decisions to make in certain scenarios, you know, what we want our office to be like from a vibe, everything around that. And then we challenged the company after we presented that to them. We were around 25 people at the time. Mm -hmm. We challenged them to come back to us, break up into groups and summarize what do they think the core values are of that. And it was cool. We had, you know, five groups of five roughly, and they came back and they presented like, here's our ideas. And then we used those five sets of ideas to form our first set of core values. And I think it was really cool because by doing that, we got everyone's buy-in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we unveiled them to them, some people are like, nice, that one was mine. Uh, and, you know, it, they served us very well. We, we adapted our core values uh, in 2016. Um, just part of that was we had scaled and we wanted to make sure that the core values allowed us to make better business decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. So it was more tweaks. 
um, and expanding in terms of our responsibility and community and things like that at that point. No, that's great because you've scaled. I think you mentioned at the beginning you were almost at 110 or you're more or less about that. And you talked about tweaking the core values and I hear about, you read about it as organizations get get larger as they scale. There's also this tendency to become, you know, like an institute or, or to dampen the inspiration. So how how are you in the organization now keeping from from this happening and maintaining this culture, that this hustle mentality? Yeah, sure. I, I think uh, one of the things that we we had we realized along the way, and it was probably when we ran sixty people, was that for us to maintain the culture, if you will, it had to transcend beyond just Yov and I. You know, it couldn't be just about us getting up there and preaching it. We had to create a following. We had to get people to buy in. I, I feel like I'm like preaching for a cult here, but that's really, <laughs> really not what it is. Um, <laughs> But but we had, we we needed people who shared those thoughts and and we were at that point but we were just worried to your point about would that scale or you know would people lose you know a lot of the things that we stood for so we started to build out um, I guess traditionally you'd view it as the HR team we call it the people and culture team mm-hmm. uh, at that point we had I believe just one person who was really managing that team and one of the one of the hires we made shortly after that was bringing on someone as a culture specialist. And her role is simply to make this a great place to come to on a day-to-day basis. Um, she doesn't get overly involved in an HR policy or anything like that. It's, you know, how does she, how do you approach the day with empathy, understand the, the things that people are struggling with, both inside and outside of the office, and do the little things that help people be more comfortable in making this a place to come to. Oh, that's interesting. And that's like a special role. And when, as you were describing that cultural person, to me, it was is almost like that advisor, that student advisor that, that was in there. They don't, they don't teach. They don't do anything. But they're there to make sure the students are okay if the students needed them, I guess. Absolutely. It's, it's a good way to put it. I, I don't know if we've thought of it that way. But as I think about the person, they, they definitely do a lot of that. It's, it's just finding... You know, times to jump in a corner and chat with that person or, you know, open office hours, just come chat about what's going on or, you know, make a really big deal of someone's birthday is as simple as that. There's many people who listen to the podcast, you know, they're, they're inspiring to become either entrepreneurs or they're growing, they're scaling as a leader. What advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. I think, uh, I think one of the hardest things to do is, is to realize what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, right? And, you know, even, even if, uh, you've been asked that question a million times in interviews, I mean, what, <laughs> what's the real honest answer? And, um, then I think what you need to do is make sure you surround yourself with, people who who complement your weaknesses at the end of the day and focus on your strengths right um so you got to focus on those strengths and you got to find people to surround yourself so for me as an example uh i'll admit i'm not i'm not even though i'm a you know cmo i'm not an overly analytical you know uh marketer i'm more on the you know creative right brain side of things right um so in that equation, on the marketing side, I need someone who compliments me really well from the more analytical perspective. Um, you know, I'm also a pretty direct guy, right? And sometimes to a fault. So making sure I surround myself with people who can help 
either interpret the good good intentions of what I'm saying um, <laughs> or or soften them if if need be. Um, so I think it's you know in, in jumping in into a leadership role, it's it's very important uh, to you know to to be self aware. You mentioned, I guess, two things about you as a business leader or, or a, a, the position you're on. A, you're still a micromanager. I, I guess you're trying to release <laughs> yourself from that. <laughs> and B, you're you're complimenting because you're you're the you know you have the right side of the brain. You don't have the data side. So how are you adjusting yourself, and how are you continually growing or retooling yourself as you move forward? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think. A big, a big part is, is having the right support around you, uh, internally, but that doesn't always have to be in your company. I mean, at, at some stages of, of your company's growth, you either can't afford it or, uh, or you just can't find that right person quite yet. But it doesn't mean you can't go outside of your network mm-hmm. for those, those opportunities to surround yourself. Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, we, that's, I guess, somewhat unique about Uberflip is, uh, we, we grew tremendously without any capital from any venture capital fund, um, you know, and, uh, you know, as, as we look at that path, in some ways it meant sacrifices of not having some of the advisors that you typically get on a board or, or the investor themselves. But what we did was we surrounded ourselves with an advisory board for the business and, uh, both, uh, you know, my co-founder and I each have advisors that are very well geared to our strengths and weaknesses, you know, who complement us. So, uh, you know, for me, it's people who have, you know, succeeded in, in BD or sales leadership, uh, who some of them I, I have monthly calls even with where I can just share where we're at and, and get some tidbits of advice and, and feedback. And same thing for my co-founder, very product driven he's got you know business leaders who have you know great exper- experience building product over the years so what type of advice would you give someone who's in a position within a growing organization they're leading whether they're the top of the organization how how could they get this outside advisory board how, how do they reach out to people yeah i i think that starts with networking, which is ultimately the key to building your profile, your, your presence. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do to make yourself look bigger than where you are today. Cause mm-hmm. some people to your point are going to be sitting there saying, yeah, but I just, I'm so early in my career or, um, uh, but think about it. I mean, what, look at other people at the same point in your career, take a look at their LinkedIn profiles. What have they done? What content have they created to set themselves apart, to show that they're worth engaging in? Um, and then when you try and approach these advisors, try and do so in a way that is personalized to them where, um, because, you know, respectfully, you know, there's, some people get to a point where they're they're inundated with requests to, to be that advisor, to be that mentor. And it's hard, right? I mean, you know, some of those people are are struggling with balancing work, balancing, you know, like we said at the beginning, hockey and dance practices right. or whatever the case it is. So it's it's kind of you've got to find a way to show that that there's gonna be a win win in this for them. Um and and I I don't know how to really define it beyond there because a lot of the people who I've kind of taken on as advisors for myself, it was very natural flow. Okay. Right. I mean, they, 
I like direct, as much as I'm direct, I like direct feedback. Mm -hmm. And some of these guys would just be very direct in their feedback to me. And I was like, (laughs) man, I need more of that. I was like, you are more direct than anyone else. Can you continue to do this for me? And so I I think for them, that probably was was a sign of, okay, well, this is someone who can actually handle that feedback. Mm -hmm. So there's value in me getting involved. I'd like to have this fun question. If I were to ask any of your team, your colleagues, your peers, your co-founders, what's the best leadership quality that Randy has, what do you think they would say? It's a great question. I, I think, I, I think they would probably point to the fact that I'm, I'm always kind of challenging the norm. Um, and that's, you know, that's the creative side of me again. It's, it's this idea that we can do better. We can be better and we can stand out from the crowd. Uh, and I would say that, that, that hopefully inspires people to want to be part of what we're building here. Uh, we're not, by any means building a me too solution at Uberflip. Uh, our, our product is not one where people woke up in the morning five years ago and said, I need this. Right. It was, we looked down the line and we said, people will get to a point where, where they need this and we're going to be the ones to go to market to educate them. Uh, so whether you call that category building or, you know, building a movement, that to me is the part that, that, that's exciting. And I think that for a lot of people, they want to be part of a company these days that, that is doing those things. I mean, you know, you, you look at the number of very successful companies out there and you look at these bright people and you'd say, well, why don't they just go to one of these Sherbet wins? And it's because they want to create that next Sherbet win, right? They, you know, they look at those companies and they say, I want to join that company 10 years ago. When everyone was kind of out on their own, I mean, we talked about Shopify, you know, there's a lot of people who I talk to who admire the company, but say, you know what, I I want something a little bit earlier. I want to be part of getting that company to be the next Shopify. And it's ensuring that, uh, like you said, that these business leaders or the people on top have that plan and and inspiration and and you want to join that and get on the, on the wagon. So what else, Randy, is there anything else that uh, any other special projects, initiatives or anything fun that you're looking forward to or are you really excited about? Uh, you know, one of the things that we've been uh, very fortunate with is this, this idea of building a movement. So for us, it was how do we build a new way that people think about, uh, you know, leveraging content. So uh, the way I always tell the story is you solve one problem, you create another. So mm-hmm. people solve the problem of creating content. <laughs> now they have this other problem, which is what do I do with it all? How do I convince my boss that that investment in content was a great thing? And it was a hard thing to do because, you know, even the buzzword that we sell around being content marketing, it's almost been stolen by, by the creation side. So what we did was we created this movement called Connex. Um, and it's a short form for content experience, which is how we summarize what we do. And we've, I, I think we've had a lot of success with it. Uh, you know, I do a podcast cast myself on a weekly basis called Connex and the content experience so show. Check out that podcast. Absolutely. I, after you listen to all these ones, you got, you know, your next queue lined up. Uh, but the other thing that we did three years ago is we started to build this, uh, you know, conference in Toronto and we made a very conscious decision not to make it a user conference, but more about the movement. So our brand very much takes a second seat to Connex, so Uber flips in the background. But we succeeded last year. We we grew the, the event from over 200 attendees to over 400. Wow. We actually sold it out like 
six weeks before the event, uh, which was a great problem, but we very much regretted our venue choice after. <laughs> uh, so this year, uh, you know, for those who are in Toronto or, or would love to explore Toronto, uh, end of August, uh, we're here in Toronto. Uh, we're at the, uh, uh, TELUS building, the, uh, uh, Royal Conservatory of Music, as it's called. And we are anticipating over 750 people to join us. And it's, it's really focusing on us being that leader and building this movement. And I, and I think that's something to really think about as a leader is how are you going to get people to follow? Right. I mean, that's, you know, leadership is all about people buying in and, and following that leader. For us, you know, we try and put ourselves kind of, second and we put the cause that we're we're out there to solve for you know in the forefront no that's really exciting and we'll be sure to put that on on the web page on the episode web page so in august come visit toronto if you're not from toronto but before we end randy if you could share some final thoughts observations ideally some type of actionable recommendations that you can share with with the growing business or the emerging business leader who's listening today absolutely i i think you you probably have a lot more ideas in your head than get out. Um, and especially if you're building something, whether you're building a business or you're building that discipline inside of someone's business, you know, find ways to share that. And there's so many great ways to do it. I mean, you know, this, this podcast that, you know, Edwin and I are doing, I mean, it's, it's literally two microphones in a relatively soundproof room and we're off to the races. I mean, what could you do? There's, there's a guy who I follow on LinkedIn who recently just started to do essentially like a webcast where he's posting videos of his thoughts and his journey as an entrepreneur to date. And I'm, truly intrigued like i'm tuning in on a weekly basis or whenever it comes up in, in my feed so i would say that you know leverage the opportunities that are out there be it on linkedin posting articles uh you know building out your profile in the community by attending events you know make sure that your ideas don't sit only in your organization um it's on you to be that person uh to to get out there and and uh you know get get them known amongst your communities i love that advice and thank you for sharing that so randy to close please tell us where you can find more information about you uberflip or anything else uh, that you want to let us know about yeah sure so for me i mean good places to follow me on linkedin um that's that's probably where I post the most content myself in terms of ideas and, and where we're going. And then I would encourage people not to even just start by checking out Uberflip, but check out some of our content. So if you go to connex.uberflip.com, you'll learn about that conference that I was talking about. Um, and it's a great way to, to see some of the thought leaders we have come out there. And you know, naturally, as you're intrigued, you'll, you'll find your way to Uberflip too. Oh, wicked. Well, thank you again for your time, for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode 52 with Randy Frisch. If you want to learn more about Randy, Uberflip, content experiences, or anything that we shared, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 052. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are seeing when they're calling in. Also, BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or 
wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.